Support for this podcast comes from Outdoor Supply Hardware, inviting listeners to OSHA's big anniversary sale celebration, May 20th through the 26th, featuring daily deals, $15,000 in giveaways, 20% off store-wide on Saturday and Sunday, and a lot more. Learn more at OSH.com. From KQED. And welcome back to Forum. Bay Area-based journalist and author Isabella Allende's books translated into 42 languages have resonated across cultures and countries around the world. Her forthcoming book, The Soul of a Woman, is a memoir of her feminism, which she embraced at a very early age as she witnessed her single mother's struggle to look after three children. Isabel first appeared on Forum with me in 1995 and joins me today as I head into retirement to speak about her newest work. And bienvenidos, Isabel. Always good to have you with us. Hola, Michael. I'm so sorry that you are retiring. What am I going to do without you? <laughs> well, we still have a friendship, and that actually prompts me to say something uh, in the way of an apology. Uh, it was wonderful of you and Amy Tan and, uh, at that tribute at the Commonwealth Club last week, which was a salute to my career and which I was very pleased about and humbled by. Uh, but, you know, I'm mentioning different writers that I'd interviewed. Uh, and I didn't want to mention you or Amy because you're friends of mine. Everybody knows you're both friends of mine. I didn't expect the tributes and everything. So uh, um, then you suddenly appeared, and it looked a little bit. Tui Vu even said so she was interviewing me. Uh, she even said something about it. Uh, so I wanted you to be aware of that. And another apology, actually. I sent you a film by a fl- friend of mine, which I'm going to plug here, Blair, Blair Gershko's excellent film uh, about uh, Justice Guzman in Chile. And I, I didn't... Yeah. It was upsetting to you, I think, to see and remind uh, of all those terrible years under Pinochet. So apologies for that as well. No, no, no. You don't have to apologize. It wasn't upsetting. It just brought back a lot of bad memories. But it's good to remember how things were. Sometimes I ask myself, Michael, and I think this is something that every person who has been a refugee asks. Did I do the right thing? Could I have stayed? Why did I leave? Because you tend to forget in time how bad it was. So a film like that one reminds, reminded me that there were very good reasons why I left my country. And we've had conversations through the years about that and about you going to Venezuela and coming here. And uh, it's been uh, quite an odyssey. In fact, I received people have been sending in memories about foreign programs they like. I received <laughs> Uh, one memory from a listener uh, was brought to my attention by my senior editor, Dan Zoll, our senior editor, I should say, uh, about loving the conversations you and I had because they seemed so warm. And this particular listener said it was like joining them at a breakfast table. (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I think that we, we, we really connected from the very beginning. And we'll stay connected uh, till the very end. Uh, you're talking about some of your beginnings in this new memoir. They sent me a PDF that I couldn't access, but I will read it dutifully. Uh, the Soul of a Woman, it's out March 2nd. And this is really your lifetime of feminism, beginning with your mother having to make it alone. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, the idea of the book wasn't mine, actually. Uh, a couple of years ago, some years ago, I had a... I went to a conference in Mexico and I gave a speech about being a woman about because it was a women's conference and it went, it became one of those virtual things and it went all over and so my publishers in Spain said that they wanted to do like a little booklet with it and I read it and I realized it was completely stale 
because in a few months, so many things had happened, you know, the Me Too movement and then the protests in the streets and a new wave of young women and, and young men also um, that had invigorated the feminist movement. And so the, that speech wouldn't work. But I started thinking about my, my life and my past and where I have stood all my life about feminism. And I realized that I had been an angry feminist when I was five years old, when, before the word even reached Chile. Uh, I belong to a very conservative, Catholic, patriarchal, authoritarian family. And I was born in the 40s in Chile. I mean, can you imagine? In Chile, there was no divorce until 2004. That's how conservative the country is, socially conservative. Uh, and I, of course, I didn't have a word to define what I was feeling, but I could see my mom being in such a vulnerable position. My mother was abandoned by my father when I was not even three years old. And she, there she was, 25 years old, with three babies in diapers. And she had to return to her father's house and live as a charity case under his roof. Uh, my mother had, of course, she, she didn't lack food or shelter, and somebody was paying for the kids' schooling and all that. But she didn't have any income of her own, no freedom. Um, she had to take care of her reputation, as it was said then, um, because she was a single mother, really. And at that time in Chile, no one in, in our social class would separate. I mean, the, the marriage stayed together no matter what. And my mother was able to annul her marriage because my father consented to the annulment on the condition that he would never have to take care of the kids. And he took it to the extent that, that he never saw us again. So my mother was in a very, very vulnerable situation. And I was very aware of it from early on. Even as a kindergartner, really. Uh, in fact, well, I was, expelled, I was expelled from the nuns when I was six. Uh, supposedly because I was very rebellious, but I don't think so. I think it was because of my mother's situation. Your mother's situation also, you know, as a longtime teacher of American literature, uh, reminded me of writers like Grace Paley and Tilly Olson, who've also written about families abandoned. And here, like in Chile and like in so many of uh, the countries to the south of us, uh, there was a sense of uh, women not having the agency or the ability to really go out on their own and make any kind of living because of the patriarchy. Um, and you write about this uh, as well, I'm sure, in ways that are really quite moving. Um, but feminism really came to a kind of um, crescendo with you, though, when you became a female journalist. I know this because I know you're, the trajectory that you went through, and I know you're writing about it in this book. Uh, what do you say you um, uh, got the knife in your teeth and went after <laughs> as a journalist? Well, when I was 26, 27 years old, um, three young female journalists started a magazine called Paula, which was a feminist, feminine magazine. I say feminine because it had all the glossy pictures of fashion and decoration and, and cooking and whatever, but all the content was feminist. 
And I started to work as, as a journalist, although I wasn't a journalist really, in that magazine from the very beginning. And these three women and myself, we really changed the culture in Chile. The impact of the magazine was astounding. To this day, it's considered legendary, an icon in journalism in Chile, because no one before had ever published or talked in public about things like abortion, prostitution, even virginity, menstruation, infidelity, all the, the subjects that are so important for women never, were never mentioned. And there it was, everything exposed and from a feminist perspective. So it really had a big impact. And I've always said that we were four young women with a knife between our teeth, <laughs> ready, to, ready to, to battle, you know, for what we, we thought was needed. And at the time, being as young as we were, we thought that the struggle for feminism was such a fair, rational thing that we would have changed the patriarchy in 10 years, maybe 15. <laughs> now I'm 78, Michael, and I'm still living in a patriarchy. Well, but on the other hand, uh, lots of changes have occurred, uh, and some of them have been quantum changes. And I think... Uh, you know, you good, deserve a good deal of credit for that. You also are really grappling in this book with what it means to be the soul of a woman, that word soul, which is such a heavy theological word, and Joe Biden has been using it about America's soul needs to be tidied up after the four years of the Trump administration or finding its soul again. Um, in many respects, uh, you're writing about finding joy here, about being safe, about living in peace and all of those things uh, that not only concern women, but concern human beings in general. But with women, it has a lot to do with control over your own destiny, autonomy, uh, and living life as joyfully as you can, freely. I think that the most important thing is to live life without fear. Women live in fear. It's in our DNA. Um, and it's hard to articulate it because it's so common that we don't see it. Um, just a minor example, a young woman will not cr pass in front of a construction because men will say things to them. That she won't get alone in an elevator with a, per with a man that looks a little threatening. Uh, women are the first victims in cases of war, conflict, violence, catastrophe. Look, look now in the pandemic, the first ones to lose their jobs were women. And the first ones to, to be the victims of violence in this situation are women. The, the, there has been a surge in domestic violence all over the world. It's not only in the United States or in third world countries. It's all over the world that women are now locked indoors with the abuser and there's no one watching, no one to, that, that can help. Um, femicide and violence against women in, in exploitation and many other forms is rampant all over. So when young women in industrialized societies in the West think that everything is already achieved, that they don't have to worry that they, have, they are okay, that feminism is no longer in or no longer 
well, it never was sexy, but they don't want to identify with it. They have to think of their sisters in the rest of the world. And they have to think how privileged they are. So we need to fight, keep on fighting. But it's a joyful fight. I, I always think of City of Joy, this organization that Eve Ensler has in Congo, where uh, women who have been gang raped, tortured in the most horrible ways, they have lost everything, including their children often, they go there to heal. And part of the healing is dancing, telling stories, singing. So the healing is joyful. And no, the fight, just they go back just... to their communities and become leaders in their communities joyfully. We had Rodessa Jones on just yesterday, in fact, talking about uh, the need for storytelling and dance and all of these ways to find a way back from what, in many cases, of course, is suffering and despair. Uh, this is, by the way, also a fundraising period for KQED Public Radio. And for more information about how to support KQED, simply go to kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking with author Isabel Allende. Her forthcoming book is called The Soul of a Woman. Other books of hers include The House of Spirits, the House of the Spirits and of Love and Shadows. And uh, just wondering about machismo in all of this, especially, you know, given the sense of uh, your own experience living in both Chile and Venezuela and in Latin countries in general, this seems to be something that women are constantly battling with. I mean, putting aside all of the terror that women live day to day who are abused and who face violence or the sort of thing you talk about when you talk about construction crews. It's just that everyday kind of insulting that goes back to male supremacy and male's belief in supremacy. Yes. We live, I mean, what is the patriarchy? It's a system of oppression that gives dominance to the male gender over women, first of all, but also over other men, less powerful and over nature, other species. It's male dominance, supremacy, as you say. That's what it is. And what is feminism? It's a philosophical idea that that needs to change. And we need to replace the patriarchy by a management of the world in which men and women participate in equal terms. A, a, a society in which masculine and feminine values have the same weight. We are not trying to replace patriarchy but by matriarchy because probably we would have other problems. But we need to, we need to work together. This is second wave feminism we're talking about, isn't it? Uh, to a great degree, the Betty Friedan type of feminism, equality and... Uh, I think that by now we are like in the third wave. With the well, new... we are in the third wave, yeah. <laughs> oh, fourth wave, I don't know. <laughs> But it's it's the, ultimately the the soul of women that you are talking about, and the soul of women has a lot to do with their own bodies, and also has a lot to do with love. I mean, you bring love into the picture in a very concerted way. Yeah, I think that love is very important for everybody, but especially for women. First of all, we are we are sort of wired for love just because we are mothers biologically. Uh, females are the ones who take care of reproduction and the species, not only human, but in every, in every other species also. So we are wired for caregiving, for protection, for love, 
of our offspring first, but then for everything else. And I think we want that. We want love. We want to be safe. We want to be um, respected and heard and have control over our bodies and our fertility. If a woman cannot control her own fertility, she cannot control anything in her life. Her body is sacred, and she should be the only one who decides about it. Not the government, not, not religion, not society, and not men. And yet that's the way it's pretty much been up until now. That men have made those decisions, and well, because they control everything. Decisions. Who yeah. who who controls religion? The beliefs that we have, men. Who controls the laws? Until very recently, only men, and in many places, only men. So all the cultural baggage that we carry has been imposed for millennia by a masculine society. And you have, I'm delighted to say, love in your life. Uh, I had a small role in that. Uh, somebody <laughs> uh, that you're now married to heard you speaking with me on the air, and uh, the rest <laughs> is history, as they say, marital history. Uh, and uh, love is sustaining in, Mac in, in this pandemic? You know, they say that uh, in many places like China and other places, there is a wave of divorce because people can't stand each other when they are locked indoors for too long. Uh, it's, it's a test for any relationship. I'm lucky because I, in spite of the fact that I live in a tiny house and that I was not prepared for another relationship, my marriage with Roger is working pretty well. And we've been able to accompany each other in the pandemic and, and support each other. Roger, Roger is a little paranoid about the virus, and I'm not because I was raised with Chilean water, tap water, so <laughs> I don't believe in germs or bacteria. S still, I I try to take care because of him mostly. So I support him in that, and he keeps me in, he keeps me at home. Well, but you know, we, I we're wanted, doing good. I wanted to go. I'm just going to read a quick comment. Uh, Beverly writes, thank you, Isabel Allende. You encouraged me to write and not keep editing my boyfriend's books. This is a lovely interview with my favorite and also inspiring Michael Krasny. So good to hear your voice coming out of my radio this morning. And uh, another listener says, why is it that men raised by all these feminists are still so happy to keep the patriarchy alive and kicking? There's a question to grapple with. But I want listeners to hear the great Jackie Wilson as we go out here with our our conversation with Isabella Yendi. The new book is called The Soul of a Woman, and I thought this would be an appropriate way for us to end this conversation. Isabella, always great to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Michael. Take care. When you're away to Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com.
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.